The First Migration What white Americans have never fully understood, but what the Negro can never forget, is that white society is deeply implicated in the ghetto. White institutions created it, white institutions maintain it, and white society condones it. Kerner Commission Report, 1968 Detroit was beginning to have a noticeable increase of dark-skinned toilers. Detroit Free Press, June 1917. In some circles, it was no secret that the blacks were coming. Between 1900 and the 1914 outbreak of World War I, 12 million European immigrants had come to the labor-starved United States, many of them to the emerging automobile factories springing up around the southeastern Michigan city of Detroit. The war had slowed the immigrants to a trickle, just as the war was mandating an increase in industrial output. As a result, large northern companies were purposely sending recruitment crews to actively woo southern blacks and whites with enticing offers of free transportation and wage advances to their new, high-paying jobs in the new promised land. With two years of falling cotton prices, an invasion of the ball weevil and floods on the Mississippi, it did not take a lot of convincing. Poor southern white farmers, facing the same depressed economic conditions, were increasingly being forced into the southern cities where they would then take the traditional menial jobs, e.g. sanitation, busboys, porters, etc., that the blacks had previously held. For the suffering blacks, it was simple to see that maybe their future was up north. Despite the poor economic conditions, some southern localities made efforts to stop the loss of their cheap labor force. Macon, Georgia, passed an ordinance requiring a $25,000 fee from the recruiters. Other communities prohibited train ticket sales to blacks. Trains were stopped and the migrants would be ordered off. The first wave of the Great Migration had begun. Detroit in 1915 had less than 6,000 blacks in a total population that approached a half of a million people. By 1920, just five years later, there would be 40,000. Ten years after that, a 20-fold increase to over 120,000. Detroit's total population would also explode, nearly doubling in size every 10 years. For the next 40 years, it would be the fastest-growing city in the world. At the turn of the 20th century, the population was 285,000, representing a little over 10% of Michigan's 2,400,000 people. In 1910, it was 466,000, jumping to 994,000 by 1920 and reaching 1,569,000 by 1930, the first year of the Great Depression. Detroit's population would peak in the 1950s when the United States Census counted 1,849,568 residents. Almost a third of the entire state lived in Detroit. It was still mostly a white city, but with an influx of 300,000 blacks, it had experienced the largest relative growth of blacks in all of the large northern cities. Do not sit in front of your house with your shoes off. Detroit Urban League Pamphlet The migrants in the first wave, often whole neighborhoods and groups of friends that had made the trip en masse, would be met at the Detroit train station 
and furnished with an instructional pamphlet on the do's and don'ts of polite city mores. Issued by the Detroit Urban League, an influential black support organization, this remarkable document offered such vignettes as, We want to make Detroit a place free from race prejudice, race friction, and discrimination. Do not indulge in loud conversations or use vulgar or obscene language in public places. Wear street clothes instead of work clothes in public, but avoid flashy clothes. Do not be late for work and do not sit in front of your house with your shoes off. Do not wear overalls on Sunday or spend all your money on pleasure. Do not braid children's hair in certain ways. Keep the children in school. Do not throw refuse in front or backyards. 